Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. That was, that was very meaningful, wasn't it? No, I'm, I think I'll do this if we can raise it. Maybe Mo, you can help me raise this one up. Uh, hey, I understand that uh, Chase was just here uh, a few days ago and you had a great time of worship, you know, and teaching on worship, you know. And, um, I, you know, I'm excited. I think so many of us are about the growing number of disciples in town and being able to have house churches and midweeks and services together. And, uh, you know, I was actually, this, this is the first time in this building, this is like, this is really good, you know. <laughs> Our building in Austin Ave would be better if we were like this, you know, maybe, you know, a little bit bigger. Um, but, um, you know, it's meaningful for me to be here. I love John and Vivian so much. I get with them every week, and we, and in town, in town, in town, in town is so awesome. It's so great. All the disciples, they can't stop talking about it, you know, and um, you have a wonderful family here, and it's the DNA uh, we're talking about DNA tonight. This DNA can explode and bless lives of so many thousands of people here, you know, in, uh, in Atlanta. I remember being just uh, not that long ago, a few years ago, just in the old middle school room. Any of you guys remember that uh, at the, in the team building? The old middle school room. And we got together with a group of like, uh, you know, five or six people who were living, you know, in town. And uh, we're exploring, what would it be like if we could have like our own thing down there? I don't think we used the word community back then, but our own community and to be able to, to worship together, really minister and be close to where we work and where we live and be able to have our friends, you know, be a part of that. And that was just the beginning of those, uh, of, of those conversations. And God has done some really amazing things. Today, tonight I've been asked to talk about... Uh, you know, discipling, and particularly, Mike mentioned it, there's a book a lot of us have been reading and it's influencing uh, some of our thinking. It's called Disciple Shift. I won't really be talking about the book so much tonight. As At the very end, I'm going to show you a, 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 a graphic, okay, that illustrates uh, a lot of the point that he's making. And it's, uh, it's this idea that there are a lot of churches. Now, back in the 70s, when I became a Christian, and up through the early 80s, there were a lot of books written on discipling. You know, not just a discipleship or following, but discipling, you know, one another, helping each other grow in maturity in Christ. And I'm probably going to use a definition right now for discipling, which is basically helping each other mature in Christ. Because the goal is to become like Jesus, right? And that's what full maturity is. And the Bible says we help each other in that. Actually, like in three very distinct ways, one of them involving uh, us in a very personal way. But I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. It's, it's interesting. When you think about discipling or mentoring or coaching, it actually, uh, it, it actually has become very popular. And something people seek out after, their whole professions that have grown up, people pay a lot of money for this, and people understand the need to get coached and to get encouraged and help them accomplish their goals. And uh, in the, it, 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 however, on a religious sense, there can be some ambiguities, you know, about that. I mentioned these books written in the 70s and early 80s. They kind of, not many of them written, you know, for about 20 years. And then what's happened, you know, in the, the, the sort of the mega church movement, you know, as big churches are getting together and there's a lot of worship and a lot of programs and things, to, and it's very seeker-oriented. Well, what's happening is a lot of uh, conservative, biblically-based churches are discovering, you know, 
it's more than just getting a big crowd together and having a great worship experience. We need to be reproducing the life of Jesus in people. And that's where this emphasis is. And uh, uh, our church has, has talked about discipleship for a long time. In fact, we're, you know, one of the early ones really talking, you know, about it. But more and more people are, are understanding it's not just getting a big crowd together, but it's becoming more like Jesus, okay? And that's the emphasis, you know, that we've got. There's some things, in, depending on like your religious history or your background or some of the, 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 the things that you've gone through in your life, uh, you have various reactions to different topics. There's some that are sort of universally understood. Like if you're a basic Christian type person, you get don't steal don't lie, don't murder, live with integrity and honesty, right? There's, there's really not much debate on that, on that one. It's pretty clear. Uh, black and white, you might even say in a lot of circles. There are other topics that are, we all understand. Yes, I understand it and I under the, understand the need, but making the application can be tricky sometimes, like your prayer life, okay? Like uh, fellowship, okay? Commitment, you know, in all of these different areas and just knowing, okay, I, I see that, but how do I put that exactly in my life, okay? And you have to apply that and get insight from the scriptures and the Holy Spirit and each other on this. And then there's some of these topics that even very religious people really are unclear about. Let's just take, for example, conversion. You ever notice that? You know, or baptism. A lot of us feel like it's pretty clear, but it's not clear, you know, there to a lot of people. Uh, the end times, right? You know, what's going to happen at the end? You know, that's, you know, there's a lot of lack of clarity on that, okay? Even by people who believe in God and believe in the Bible. And discipling is also in one of those things, okay? There where, okay, I, I, I know, but, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little unclear on that, exactly how important that really is, okay? So what I'd like to try to do uh, tonight, I'd like to focus in on the scriptures, okay? So we're going to open the Bible, and what I'd like to do is to give you, okay, scriptures for you to be able to look at and to be able to evaluate, and then I'm going to zero in on what I understand from a lot of study to be basically the DNA of discipling in the sense of our one another relationships. Now let's think about this for a minute. How do you mature in Christ and how do you get discipled, okay? Uh, I think that uh, as I read the Bible, there are at least three ways. One, by the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit is in us and the Bible says it transforms us from one degree of glory to another. You can become more like Christ. You can get discipled by the Holy Spirit even if you're on a desert island and you have no Bible. That really can happen because of God's Spirit in you. And, and there's a lot in the Bible about walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. But also, we're discipled by the Word of God, aren't we? And there's so many passages on this, like Hebrews chapter 4, you know, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active. And what's it able to do? Actually, to show us the, the thoughts and intentions of our own heart, which is the most important thing to guard, okay? And then so many other passages, 1 Peter chapter 2, about like newborn babes crave this spiritual milk, which is your spiritual food. Now, I am likely to talk quickly tonight because I have a, a, some things I really want to put on your plate, okay, for you to be able to work on and to look at, and I'll be referring to some passages, and we'll be looking at some, and I've got a PowerPoint we're going to zoom through as well. 
I guess we could put this up here, at least from my title slide. Let's go there. The DNA of discipleship in communities. We got a community in town, right? And we're helping our whole church go more and more to communities, smaller groups of communities impacting our, you know, our neighborhoods and being able to have a smaller group that we can really do church together and do our life together, which mainly happens during the week, okay? Uh, you know, all during the week and not just on a Sunday morning. We go to the next slide. You know, DNA is very interesting, okay? And uh, this is a definition that you guys will certainly understand. But when you think about it in a spiritual sense, so many of these things have to do with maturing in Christ, okay? You're, once you, you get born, okay, and born again, this growth, development, functioning, reproducing, and one of the themes you're going to see in discipleship, if you choose to read it and focus on it, is the idea of all of us growing to not only be like Christ, but to be spiritual parents where we can help others mature and be like Jesus as well. And that is a natural uh, cycle of life as you grow up and as you mature and you have children and you get more experience, and it's the same way in our spiritual lives as well. Hey, let's go to the next slide, okay, you know, on this. And uh, we, know, uh, we know community and we know fellowship, right? We know this passage, right? I mean, and hopefully this is what we, one of the themes that, that, that we've had for a long time and you've got as well, Acts 2.42. And you can see they were devoted to, to these three things, you know, in prayer with the Holy Spirit and God working in your heart with one another relationships, with fellowship, and to the Word of God, okay? These same kind of things. But, and they were together, and we remember how often they were meeting? Yeah, they were meeting daily, and we're going to see another passage on that in just a minute. Now, really good, in my opinion, really good quality, mature discipling, and nobody does it perfectly, Right? Any more in any other area in, you know, in your life, parenting or anything else. But, but real, uh, real, I think, genuine, authentic, duplicatable discipling that is sustainable is based on relationships. Relationships are the key. And this is a theme in this book. They talk a lot about relational, you know, discipling, which is simply to say, you know, discipling best takes place, you know, when you got a relationship, and you're close and you spend time together and you're experiencing all of these things. Now, you may go pay somebody 100 bucks to coach you an hour. That's not generally how our discipling, you know, relationships work. Uh, if you like one of those, I think John probably is willing, you know, to take you on if you want to do that. But that's not really, it's not based on this exchange of money and this kind of thing, but on our relationship. That really is a pretty important thing. Now, with the, the next thing I want to be able to say is if we go to the next passage, and, and let's just look in our Bibles right now. Let's turn over there. We know this passage. There's some things, because here's the soil of discipling and discipleship. Some things are meant to happen every day, right? Have you noticed that in the scriptures? Daily prayer, time with God, time meditating on the scriptures or reading it if you have scripture available you know to you but in Hebrews 3 verse 12 this is a this is a verse if you've been around the church for any length of time at all okay you know how important it is because we not only want to be going to church together and get baptized we want to make it to the end and so that's what it says in in verse uh, uh, you know in chapter 3 verse 12 now Ephesians 4 tells you the evangelists and the elders in the church and the teachers, they have, they have a specific role to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4.13, until we all reach maturity, you know, in the fullness of Christ, we speak the truth in love with one another. And, you know, it's one of the things that, 
the older uh, veteran disciples in this room and the other older leaders in the church are very much on our mind. We want to know, are people going to make it all the way? You know, through 20, 30, 40 years of being married, you know, and raising kids and the inevitable ups and downs that you've got, that's the real, that, that's a very important thing because you can get by for a while even doing some things that aren't very healthy, you know, for you, even counterproductive. But in the long run, you will get, it will find you out. Let's look in verse 12, okay? Here we go. Watch out, brothers. Interesting way you put it, right? I don't know what your translation says. Watch out. It's actually a Greek word for visit, literally to go see each other face to face. And you're going to see in another passage that Paul talks about how it's so important to pray for each other that we can see each other again and help supply what's lacking in each other's faith. Haven't you noticed? There's not really an adequate substitute for just being together. Husbands and wives know this, you know, spending some time together, quality time together. I think most of us understand the principle. Watch out so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Now, why would the Bible tell us that? Anybody want to conjecture on that? Why, why would the Bible say that? You guys talk back and forth. It's okay. You know, you may just be, I don't know, can I talk back? him is this a sermon no yeah why why would he say that hey watch out be careful that none of you have a simple unbelieving heart to turn away from the living god yeah okay we'll be start focusing just on ourselves and not on others okay any, any other thought yes yeah perfect well yeah, and you see it all the way through the Old Testament, don't you? Yeah. Even in the New Testament, you see this great Ephesian church back, you know, a couple of decades later in Revelation chapter 2, they've lost their first love. And the church in Laodicea has become lukewarm. And the church in Sardis has a reputation for being alive, but they're dead, you know. So it's, it's, this is in here because we have a tendency, even as Christians who love God right now, to go that direction unless proper precautions are made including being involved in each other's lives, and then the very familiar passage. But he says, okay, usually the Bible, when it says don't do something, it tells you what to do. But rather, do what? Encourage one another. How often? This is a brand new scripture for you, right? No, it's not. But it's so important, he says, encourage each other every day as long as it's called today so that none of you will get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Can your heart get hard even when you're coming to church? Of course it can. You know, we've all been there. Can, can, can you get your heart hardened to your husband or your wife or your roommate? You know, even though you're still there and you basically want to have a good marriage, absolutely. But this daily encouragement. Now, this is on our next slide. Okay, I want to introduce you if we, uh, to some Greek words here because here's what I did. Uh, when, uh, you know, I became a Christian in, in, in college and got a job afterwards and worked and, and got trained to go in the ministry. And, you know, after about five years, you know, I went on to graduate school and then went to become campus minister in Colorado. And so I did, there were all of these things, all these scriptures that I'd read and that we had put in practice in our lives. And most of you had this experience in your first few years. And it was one another having prayer partners or discipleship partners, having Bible talks, you know, confessing your sins to one another, discipling each other, all these kind of things. And then uh, what I had the opportunity to do in graduate school where I had to take Greek for a couple of years anyway is go to some of these familiar passages, okay, that we've got and dig into what the original language and see, hey, can I learn some nuances, right? 
Can I have a little bit more depth in here? Parakaleo, that's the word for encourage, and it's in the Bible a lot, and it is the thing in discipling and in our communities we want to do how often? Every single day. It's daily. And the parakaleo literally means para alongside and kaleo to call. Now, in our cell phone, you know, uh, you know, era, you know, you can actually call. Okay, they couldn't do that then, but it, it, it's calling or being with each other and, and pulling them alongside. And you, know, you have people in that fellowship just pull you alongside. Gary, bro, how you doing? You know, great to see you. You know, and you're encouraging each other and, uh, and you're pulling along. Um, John Haynes probably could have used somebody being alongside of him on that ski slope when he tried to do that, you know, you know uh, extreme games thing, you know. But, it, but it's parakaleo, okay? It's, it's encouragement. It's what everybody needs every day. Yeah. And you, you do everything you can to get it, okay? But uh, uh, if we go on to the next, uh, in the next here, here's an interesting passage, though, in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And you can follow along here. This, this is where we start getting introduced to another concept. And Paul, in his role as the church planter, you know, there in, uh, you know, in, uh, in Colossae and as the apostle, he's writing to them. And if you'll look in that passage, you can see what his end game is. He says, you know, that I, I teach you and admonish you in all wisdom so that I can do what? Present every person what? Mature. It's a Greek word, teleon, complete. Full grown, okay? And then he goes on and he says, therefore, I do this with what? What kind of intensity? All the strength he's got, it's, it's, it's didascoing, teaching, and nuthateoing, admonishing people with all of his energy. This is what Paul is doing. This is where he is really focused. And it's all about, I need to teach and help nuthateo people to help them become mature, and full grown in Christ. That's his ministry role. It's also what we're going to see. It's a role. It's, it's a function we all have with each other. Now, in the, if we go to the next slide, there are a couple of words. You know the word didactic, which means like teaching? There's actually one of the patristic fathers, uh, you know, written in the second century called the Didache, which is, you know, a lot of teaching, basic teaching about Christianity. But it means to teach, okay? And that's one of the words Paul uses. I, I teach, and then the next word is nuthateo, okay? This is a word I want to introduce you to. It, it's trans, you can't translate it in one way. It's translated in our English Bibles more often than not admonish, but it's also translated counsel. It's also translated warn. It's also translated at least one, you know, place in 1 Corinthians, you know, I think uh, uh, 10, 11, to teach. Uh, new, Greek word for mind, your mind. And tithemi, to put. It means to put something on someone's mind. If we go to the next slide, uh, Kelly and I got back from two weeks in, in the Ukraine, and uh, we, uh, they, we were asked to teach a, a four, well, three-day workshop on discipling. 
And we entitled it The DNA of Discipling. Okay, it was much more material than we had here. And so uh, I had to translate all the, the passages and the words into Russian. I mean, I didn't do it, but, you know, Sean helped me, you know, on that. And Sean and Lynn are wonderful friends of North River. And, you know, was, but, but here's some of these words. And, and I discovered a new word here at the bottom. That H is actually an N, you know, in Russian. And the B of all things is a V. It's just crazy. Okay, Nastavlenya. Can you say that? Nastavlenya. I like that word, you know, okay, and um, because they too, even in the Russian, they have several different Russian phrases. I'm going to share a couple of them with you later because it's great because one passage where Newt the Tale uses, it says, brothers and sisters, disciple their brains. That's how, that's how the Russian translation is on, you know, on this word, the Greek word, Newt the and uh, it's nuanced. It has different levels of, uh, you would call it emphasis and intensity. Here's why I, I, I totally understand this is the DNA of one another, uh, disi- discipling, not encouragement. The DNA of being a Christian is called agape. It's love. This is why First Peter 4 verse 8 says, above all else, Tom, and all else, Midtown, above all else, love each other, how? Deeply and from the heart, for love covers a Multitude of sins. So what is most important in your Christian life? Love. And discipling, and that's the DNA. It's really interesting. In, uh, in the New Testament, there are over 51 another passages in the New Testament. Some of you know that. Where actually the word one another is used. 20% of them use this word nutheteo. Uh, about the same percentage of the word love. Uh, although 1 John... John throws in about six of them right in a row. <laughs> love one another, love one another, love one another. It's all kind of the same, you know, sort of, you know, sort of context. Um, this, is a, this, is, this is a unique thing. It's, Paul uses it 11 times in his letters to the church to try to help them understand how to, I believe, disciple each other or counsel, teach, admonish, warn. The way Jesus put it was to help teach each other to obey. Do you remember that? Go out, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey. Now, you're going to be able to see in another passage that we use, does being taught how to obey end after you're a Christian for a year or two years? Some people think it does. You kind of get it, and then you kind of, you know, whatever. You and God and the Holy Spirit work on that. Uh, I want to present to you through the Scriptures that actually being taught to become more like Christ or to be able to obey Christ in all His fullness is actually a lifetime proposition. Okay, and that the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and one another, you know, helps us with. Let's go to the next slide, okay? Um, the, okay, Colossians 3.16. Now, this is an interesting twist, an interesting turn now. You, you, you may still be in Colossians. If you look in Colossians chapter 3, remember how Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, I teach and admonish you in all wisdom so I can bring everyone to full maturity in Christ. And uh, I give everything I've got, all my energy to it. Well, in Colossians 3.16, can you take a look at that? Starts off with the Word of God. Let the Word of God dwell in us, how? Richly, as opposed to, yeah, superficially, poorly, not going down deep roots. It is important to have deep roots in the Scriptures, right? Let it really go down. And then it doesn't say, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, and then just go reflect on it. Should you reflect on your Bible study? Of course you should. But in this passage, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Anua, Rob, Carter, 
as you, what, you see it? As you teach and admonish each other, right? In all wisdom. The exact same words he used, exact same meaning that he used just a couple of chapters early. And this is where it's saying, guys, you also need to teach and admonish one another. I don't like that we're just saying admonish because it's, it's too simplistic, okay? And we're going we're, we're gonna to full body it here in a little bit so you understand, you know, you know, you know, you know what it is, the nuances of it. But it is translated admonish. A good admonishment is, uh, it, it, you know, admonishment is, I, I think I, I, I brought this with you. This is interesting. If you want to look up these, you know, uh, th- these kind of words online, it'd be just fine. Let me see what one scholar, you know, says about this. I've got a lot of these, you know, in front of my notes from many years ago. It says, teaching didasco primarily has to do with imparting intellectual insight and knowledge. Do we need intellectual insight and knowledge? Of course we do, okay? But nuthateo means to exert influence upon the will and decisions of another with the object of guiding him or her into a generally accepted code of behavior or encouraging him to obey, you know, certain instructions. Admonishment always presupposes some previous knowledge. It's why it's really bad, dumb, and unhealthy to admonish people when they really haven't been taught or helped. The teaching's got to come first. You ever had that at a job or something like that where you got corrected or admonished or, you know, even whatever, you know, even in a light way, but you didn't even know what was involved or how to do it in the first place. It consists exhortation, admonishment, of reminding a person of this with the intention that he should carry it out. Teaching says this is good. Nuthateo says you need to do this. You're getting a little bit of the flavor, you know, here. And here's what the Bible says. And some people uh, are comfortable with this and some people aren't. Um, You know, there was a time in some of our churches where some of our people seemed like they had the ministry of admonishment. You know, they kind of viewed it as their role to kind of go through the church. And, bro, you need to, you know, I mean, you know, where's the encouragement, love, and relationship, you know? You know, uh, I have a saying on this when I teach and I understand it. Encouragement is daily Teaching is often. Nuthateo or admonishment is as needed. Now I want to show you, you know, um, you know, you know, a little bit of where this comes from. Our next slide, okay. Uh, well, we already looked at it in the scriptures. Let's go on, okay. And I've already talked about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all else, love, right? Everything, yeah, everything. In the next slide, okay, here's, here's what's really key. As you try to help each other grow spiritually is what is really key before you ever, I believe, try to disciple somebody or admonish them or counsel or whatever, you pray first. You pray first. That's so important. And I actually believe when you get together and you help mutually disciple each other, admonish each other, you get the Bible out and you read some passages and you say, hey, how are we doing on this? What are our goals on this? And you make it anchored in the Word of God. And you, uh, you, you make it relational, but you pray day and night. Paul says, I'm praying for you day and night so I can see you again, right? Jim and Lisa, you probably get with some of the younger couples or other people to try to give them some discipling and mentoring and help, right? Okay? And you try to do your best to do that, to encourage a lot, teach a little bit, admonish when needed, you know, but... Wouldn't it be better if Jim and Lisa prayed for you before you showed up, okay, for these pearls of wisdom? Of course, okay? And then God will actually give you insight and prepare everybody's heart on this, you know. But the key is 
in our relationships, pray for each other so we can help supply what is lacking in our faith. Do you have anything lacking in your faith? I sure do. Everybody does. Even Mike has something lacking in his faith. Okay? And, um, and that's why we need each other. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. I just want to roll through and give you these passages, okay? And if you, if you could, with your device, or if you could flip quickly, beautiful. Okay? But I'll tell you what, almost verbatim, maybe verbatim what they say. You go back and write them down and check it out. But I'm going to tell you every place and where the word is, nuthateo. Okay, uh, you know, on this. <clears throat> Here's uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. It's this whole thing. It starts out with Exodus, the Exodus story in verses 1 through 4. And we've been looking at that. <clears throat> and then he says, these things were written down, or these things happened to them, but were written down as warnings for us on whom the end of the ages has come. And this is a teaching, this, this, this is Nuthatel in a teaching sense. He's just gone through and he's taught, okay, here's this bad example, you know, you know that's there. And then he says, this is written down as a Nuthatel for you. And almost all your English translations are going to translate it a warning. Okay, but it's actually in a teaching setting. You ever hear somebody teaching or preaching and there's, there's some admonishment kind of warning to it from the passages? Hey, be careful if a man thinks he stands lest he fall. That's what you would call an admonishment, okay, on, you know, on that. The, ne the next passage is in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. I really love this passage, and this will give you insight into Nuthateo. Nuthateo is actually a, 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 a word of family, okay? And it's where, did I say uh, 6164? If you're open, you'll be able to see it. Anna and I were talking about this, and he was saying, oh, my daughter's 18 months old, and I'm trying to figure out. He didn't say these words. He said, I'm trying to figure out how to disciple her, okay? Because she's acting in a certain way, and he's not sure to let it slide, to have a talk, what tone to have. You know, I mean, as a parent, you just, you're not sure on, you know, on that. And so we were talking about that. And um, uh, because raising a child is like raising a disciple, you know, it takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of love. And, but it does take some admonishment. If Anoa never admonishes this beautiful, you know, angel and only encourages his daughter but never corrects her or helps course correct or whatever, what do we think the end of that story is going to be? Okay, almost all of us know, you know, on, you know, on that. And yet, he needs wisdom. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the nurture and the nuthateo of the Lord. And your translation may say instruction. It's the word nuthateo. And in this sense, okay, it's a family word. It's about raising children. It's about loving them and teaching them. But it's not didasco teach. It's nuthateo teach. It's helping shape decisions and character, you know, and, uh, you know, you know, you know, and behavior. Um, the, um, uh, the, the next passage is, if you're following along, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14. This is an interesting one because uh, you remember in 1 Corinthians, Paul has some rather strong things to say to the church, right? I mean, he really has to correct them. They, they're kind of a mess in some ways, okay? 
And, but he loves them, and he tells them that at the very beginning. But in 1 Corinthians 4.14, he says, I'm not writing this to shame you or make you guilty. But I'm writing this, he says, you know, to admonish you, warn you as my dear children. Yeah, you got it. It's new to tell. I'm your father in the gospel. That's what he goes on to say. I become your father in the gospel. I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty or to feel bad. I became your father. I led you to Christ. And I'm doing this in love to nuthateo you. And there were some fairly straightforward nuthateos in there, right, on the attitudes and correction. Do you see this? It is a family word, okay? And it is about raising, you know, children. And um, this is why it's so important in God's church that for someone to be appointed an elder and to be able to shepherd a flock and direct it, they need to have brought up believing children. And because that, that, that's not a layup on that. And you learn a lot about life and character and how to lead the church by leading your family. Got that? That's important. Next, uh, you know, next passage I want to, to write down, I'm going to go quickly, you know, on this is in... Um, it's, it's a great passage. It's in Acts uh, 20, 31. You just look it up. And Paul gets the Ephesian elders together. And, and, and he, he tells them, these are guys that he's worked with for three years. This is what he, he says to them, you know, and they've got a wonderful relationship. It says, be on your guard, Ephesian elders. Remember that for three years I never stopped nuthateoing you, each of you, night and day with tears. Interesting, isn't it? He nuthateoed or admonished the elders and helping them raise up to be elders, even with tears. I mean, with great heart and with great passion. And for people to become an elder in God's church, they also need encouragement. Didasco and some discipling are nuthateo. This is, this is such a, a prevalent, you know, you know, word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter, um, you know, chapter, you know, 5 and verse 12. Let me just pause here because we don't have much more time and I want to make it personal. Here's, um, I know what this is like. I... In a couple, few months, I'm going to celebrate my 49th year as a disciple. I got baptized almost 49 years ago as a freshman in college. And so I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of people in every age group represented, you know, in this auditorium. And, and what happens when you, you do certain things in, you know, in our lives. And I grew up like this. this is, these were my early years. Just encouragement and love and discipling and getting help and growing and you know it was just a part of of just what it meant to be a Christian and not everybody had that I know but a lot of the people who are who are uh been Christians for a long time and are still here you know with us had some of those very same you know kind of experiences and um but what happens you know uh you know, th then I went out into the ministry, and the, it wasn't a church. It's more, it was a progressive, you know, uh, Church of Christ, uh, kind of a traditional. And they, they didn't have this. There, there wasn't like a discipling. They were wonderful people. They loved you. They served, whatever. But they didn't have this concept, you know, down. And so I kind of had to generate it and help, help, help get it going. And people responded, most people, you know, fairly well. Uh, but I was having to do a lot of this. And, uh, and then I, I was drifting a little bit from getting it myself. Because you, sometimes you've got to get a long distance, right? Or scratch for it, whatever you, whatever you need. And, um, and then I went out to San Francisco, 
And uh, so, yeah, I could, about the nine-year point of my Christianity, I could, if I look back on it, I could say, okay, I will see, I'm seeing a handwriting on a wall. I'm not, I'm no longer putting myself in positions to get regular input, you know, into my life, especially into my marriage, okay, uh, which is huge. Okay, and then, uh, and then when I went out to San Francisco, I got even more so that way. But the problem was I was doing really good, and the church was blowing up, and people were getting baptized, and, you know, going and speaking to conferences and stuff. But I got even less and less discipled. And uh, that's where, whoa, some real bad things started getting, you know, deep marriage problems, impurity started creeping into my life, okay. And I actually moved back across the country to Boston because everybody told me I needed to do it, not because I wanted to do it. That's the truth, okay. Um, but it convinced me, and it was true, so I could get some older people in my life. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be older, 20 years older. It could just be a year older, you know, but they're more mature, particularly in the things that you're working on. And so, uh, and uh, however, I, I, well, if I could just go back and do some things because it set me up for a horrible fall in my life, terrible things happen in my faith, in my marriage, and whatever. It took me almost a decade to come back. This is what I know. This is what I believe, okay? You have to deal with it and sort it out as you choose. But I know to the, if we don't put these things into practice, you know, in our life, I do believe Satan targets us, especially those really trying to live the kingdom life. You know, they're, you know I think he's fine for people to be religious, you know, but I mean, if you're really trying, if, if, if you don't do this, it's, it's going to cost you. Yeah. I mean, maybe when you're a Christian, 20 years, could be 10 years, but don't let yourself drift too far from this. If you've been a Christian long, you realize how you can. I'm not trying to scare anybody here. Just make sure this is part of your, uh, of, of how you order your life and how you seek things out. Okay, that's my personal experience. First Thessalonians 5.12, if you're following along, I'm just following along, I'm just going to give you. It says, <clears throat> brothers, respect those who labor over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. He's just saying, look at the leaders in your church that are over you in the Lord but also work hard and the ones who admonish you. You're going to find out in your Christian life, there are not going to be that many people who will really uh, invest in you and have a relationship with you and be willing to get in there and really help you, you know, with things that you need to work on, on a consistent basis. They're not that many. They, it, love them, appreciate them, encourage them, okay? Even though sometimes an admonishment or a nuthatel is not always pleasant, almost always has a bit of unpleasantness to it, even if it's our own guilt or Ah, I messed up. I want to be perfect at everything. Okay, you know, I mean, even if it's just on that level. What is very interesting, before we close out, in chapter 5, verse 14 in Thessalonians, it tells us another passage that all of us in the church should be involved in nuthatoing one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. He says, you know, admonish the idle, help the weak, encourage the timid, be patient with them all. That's to the whole church. What word would you think would be nuthateo in that passage? Admonish. Admonish the idol. Okay? There's something, you know, here's what you got to do. This is why prayer is needed. The different brothers and sisters in different places, and in your own life, you could be at different places in certain areas of your life. But if somebody is weak, what do they need? According to the Bible. Help. Somebody to get in and just to help them. If somebody is timid, 
are discouraged, what do they need? Encouragement. You can do it, bro. I believe in you. If somebody's just idle and just, you just undisciplined, just whatever phrase you use, not with the program, they know what they need to be, oh yeah, I need, but they're just not doing it. Again, what do they need? And admonishment. Well, kicking the pants, okay? I mean, you know, uh, that, that's, that's, not, that's not Greek, you know, and, um, and that can be really misunderstood because sometimes we say these things like, oh, I got my socks blown off, you know, and uh, whatever. I think the brother knew what he was saying. Yeah, I got a good challenge, okay? But, you know, probably don't pass those things on because people don't understand them, okay? But, it's, uh, but everybody needs it. When somebody, when you're out on you need somebody not to... Not to rebuke you, not to be harsh, but just to put it on your mind. Bro, uh, I just do this all the time, married couples. Bro, so when, when's the last time you guys you had a date, a special date night? Oh, no, you know, oh, it's been a while. Well, how long? And, uh, and uh, oh, it's maybe about three weeks. And I said, did, did, did we talk about this last time we got together? And what, what, did, what, what, what did you say you, you were planning on doing? And am I being mean? I'm being soft, always possible. And, and uh, uh, bro, is there anything I can do to help you? <laughs> do you still want to do that? That, that, actually is, that? that actually is a new thetel. I'm just bringing it to his mind, you know, and it's not just, not just encouragement. Okay, bro, I know you can do it. Have a good date this week. You know, but let's just talk a little bit, okay? It can be that simple to... To, um, to, to, to increasing degrees, like the, the last two I'm going to give you are first, second, second, second Thessalonians 3.15 and Titus 3.10. Both of them translated to warn. And I love, this is the one where the uh, Russian uh, uh, translates it, disciple your brains. You see, because the whole thing is about a brother who is not working. He won't get a job. Okay. And he's sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back, okay? And, you know, but he's not, he's not working. Well, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And so uh, the Bible tells him, if you're looking there in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.15, he says, don't warn him, uh, don't treat him like an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Nuthato. That's a little stronger than, bro, come on, can I help you with it? You know, this is like, Bro, you got to get a job. You know, this is not right. Look at what this, you know, that's, did I rebuke him? No. I mean, but, but it, 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 and then, and then if you're looking at Titus 3.10, when you have a divisive person causing divisions in the church, he said, warn him once, warn him again, and have nothing to do with him. And that you can tell that's a, we're increasing the, the, the heat. And the intensity, and that is, yes, the word nuthateo. Uh, we basically have gone over all 11, you know, passages. But if you'll look at all these, you will clearly get the drift of this, that discipling is not an ICOC thing. It's not like uh, whatever church, you know. It's, it's a Bible thing. You know, it's very, it's, it's laid out. 20% of these one another passages actually involve this whole word nuthateo. When, uh, what, is, what is it daily? Encouragement. What is it uh, often? Teaching. And what is it as needed? Admonishment. You will have to erase a bunch of stuff in the Bible. If, uh, and so we need to learn how to grow in doing this. Again, what is the goal? Maturity in Christ. Let's wrap it up and go on to the next verse. 
or the next, ne- next thing. Thank you for staying a little bit later. Uh, this is in discipleship, and I don't know how well you can read it, but it simply goes through the thing. You start off seeking God. You're, you're baptized or born again. You, you're an infant, and then you become a child, and then you, you, you keep maturing until you're really a, a, a parent. You know, you're full, you're full grown in the sense of being able to reproduce. And this should encourage you because it helps you know, uh, we'll give it to you in a different form you can look at. It helps you to know, oh, okay, I can still be in the church and not be all the way at the top of the wheel. Okay? And I can be maturing. And I can be growing. And how do I, how do I help myself and how do I help others continue to mature? Because in the next slide, I think we'll probably, I'll just probably let this one be the last one. Here's the issue. Remember Corinthians that we've talked about? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he's writing them, and we know their problems in the Corinthian church. How bad? Ugh. Immorality that hasn't even been, you know, talked about in, a, in kind of a real gross way. Uh, people taking each other to court. Can you believe they're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper? That's crazy. And they're all messed up in their doctrine on the resurrection. Some people think there's no resurrection. That's like a rough church, okay? But he identifies, and there are all these divisions, chapter 1. He identifies the problem, though, here, here in 1 Corinthians. You see what it is? Brothers, I couldn't address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who live, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, in the flesh are still worldly. You know, and he talks about because you're mere what? Infants in Christ. Do you see that? They're still babies in Christ. And he identifies it because of their jealousy and uh, the divisions and the quarreling among them. This will help you. You could be in the church for many years and still be an infant or immature spiritually. It's really clear. What our goal is is to keep maturing in Christ and to keep growing and to crave that solitude. And, um, you know, it's such a deep, rich, you know, topic. If you get that book, Discipleship, and there are others that are very good, you know, it'll help stimulate you to good thinking. And I'm going to close out with a quote from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, where Paul talks about, uh, you know, uh, the things you've received and and trust to faithful men and women who can entrust them to others. And then he goes on and he gives the example of a hardworking farmer and an athlete who competes according to the rules and, and, and um, a soldier who doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. After he does that, in verse 7, he says, Reflect on all these things, and the Lord will give you insight into all of them. Because none of us can give you a, the, the perfect game plan on this. First of all, you do have to internalize the Scripture so you really do see it's the Scripture. And then ask God to give you wisdom on how to apply them and to be able to get help, okay, at every step of your life to seek this out and value it. And don't run from admonishment or nuthateo, okay? Uh, Actually, pray for it. And if we're going to follow the Scriptures, we also are involved in teaching and admonishing each other. Do it all in love, okay? And may God bless us as we continue to help each other mature in Christ through the Spirit of God, transforming us from the inside through the Word of God, you know, as we open up our Scriptures and study it and share it with each other, and as we practice the one another, you know, passages, all of them, we just zeroed in on one particular word that I understand to really be the DNA of sometimes what we've referred to as discipling, you know, uh, you know, you know, one another. So, uh, I'll 
I'm sure I've gone long enough, so I'm going to stop. Thank you for, I don't get down here often. Thank you for letting me get through my whole PowerPoint. I appreciate it. Thank you.